We read the word of the Lord tonight in Philippians chapter 4. Philippians 4. Therefore, my brethren, dearly beloved and longed for, my joy and crown, so stand fast in the Lord, my dearly beloved. I beseech Iodius and beseech Syntyche that they be of the same mind in the Lord. And I entreat thee also, true yoke fellow, help those women which labored with me in the gospel, with Clement also, and with other my fellow laborers, whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say, rejoice. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. In the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, and if there be any praise, think on these things. Those things which ye have both learned and received and heard and seen in me, do, and the God of peace shall be with you. But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at the last your care of me hath flourished again, wherein ye were also careful, but ye lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. I know both how to be abased, and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. Notwithstanding ye have well done, that ye did communicate with my affliction. Now ye Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia... No church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, but ye only. For even in Thessalonica ye sent once and again unto my necessity, not because I desire a gift, but I desire fruit that may abound to your account. But I have all and abound. I am full, having received of Epaphroditus the things which were sent from you, an odor of a sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable, well-pleasing to God. But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Now unto God and our Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Salute every saint in Christ Jesus. The brethren which are with me greet you. All the saints salute you, chiefly they that are of Caesar's household. 
The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. As far as we read God's holy and inerrant word, may God add his blessing upon the reading of his holy scriptures. It's on the basis of Philippians 4 and many other passages of God's word that we find the instruction of the Heidelberg Catechism, Lord's Day 50. Question 125, which is the fourth petition. Give us this day our daily bread. That is, be pleased to provide us with all things necessary for the body, that we may thereby acknowledge Thee to be the only fountain of all good, and that neither our care nor industry, nor even Thy gifts, can profit us without Thy blessing. And therefore, that we may withdraw our trust from all creatures and place it alone in Thee. Beloved congregation in the Lord Jesus Christ, it is fitting that in God's providence we are able to consider this fourth petition, asking God for our daily bread on Father's Day. For after all, that is what a father does for his children. He seeks to provide for them food so that they might sit at the table and have nourishment for their bodies. And in addition, that is one of the primary ways in which fathers feel loved by having their children come unto Father, thanking Father for going about His work so that He can put food on the table. It makes the Father's heart swell with gratitude when the child takes the time to go out of his way to thank Dad, for selflessly laboring so that he can provide for the family. And if it is the case that the earthly father is immensely thankful when his child is thankful to him, how much more so is it not the case then that our Father who is in heaven is loved by us when we go to him thanking Him for what He has given to us. Many children in this day have taken the time to give a note to their fathers expressing thanks to Dad for what Dad did in providing for them. Now we pause to give thanks to our Father in Heaven for the daily bread that He has given to us. Give us this day our daily bread. We consider this text under the theme, Praying Daily for Our Bread. First, we consider why we ask this. We're going to switch the order of the first and second points from what I put 
in the bulletin. First of all, why we ask. Second, what we are asking here. And then third, what confidence we have in asking. The reality is that we as Christians can struggle with a lack of earnestness in making this fourth petition unto God. I fear that oftentimes we can become rather lethargic when it comes to asking God for our daily bread. It's something that simply comes off of our lips. Perhaps we have the practice of reciting the Lord's Prayer regularly around the table. And so it's not that we don't make this fourth petition. It's not that we don't ask God for daily bread, but the struggle that we can have is it, this is not a petition that rises off of our hearts with urgency before God's throne of grace. We can become rather complacent simply going through the motions of asking God for daily bread because we know that that's what's expected of us. After, that, after all, that's the model prayer that Jesus gave unto us. And yet to say that this is a, something that, that weighs heavily upon me, something that is really a weight lifted off of my shoulders after I've gone to God asking Him for daily bread, is probably a stretch. And we know that it ought not to be this way. We ought not simply to draw nigh to God with our lips, but we also should draw nigh to God with our hearts. And so so we understand that there's something wrong here then if we are not earnestly asking God for daily bread. We're commanded to bring our needs to God. Philippians 4, verse 6, reminded us of that truth. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. So understanding that This ought to be something that we ask earnestly of God, and yet acknowledging that oftentimes we do not have much fervency when making this fourth petition, then we can feel guilty and ashamed. Recognizing that, yeah, I went through the motions of praying for bread, but I maybe really didn't mean it that much. So we take the time now to pause and to examine, self-examination, why is it that we can lack fervency in making this fourth petition? We give what is in no way intended to be an exhaustive list of reasons, but a beginning of why it is that we can struggle with making this fourth petition. First of all, the reason that comes immediately to mind, why do we lack fervency? Well, quite simply because God has given unto us so much. 
Because we do not live day by day wondering where our next meal is going to come from, but instead we have freezers and pantries that are filled with food, because we have so much food inside of our homes that we could go for days, perhaps even weeks or even months, without needing to go out and purchase more food, that we can lose a sense of our absolute and complete dependence upon God for daily bread. It's because we have so much that we do not cry out with earnestness, give us this day our daily bread. We haven't lived through the Great Depression. We haven't lived through a time when war comes through and destroys the economy. And so because we personally have not tasted of poverty, we can lack fervency. Why? Why do we lack? On the other hand, we can lack fervency in making this petition because of the exact opposite reason. Because in our judgment, we have too little. Now we speak now not here specifically of bread. I do not know of anybody in this congregation who lacks bread. But more broadly, we can judge that we have too little of the things of this earth. We wish that we had more. We're hungry for more money to come in. We wish that we had the ability to buy a larger house, to get a newer vehicle. And so because of our struggle with coveting, with desiring more than what God in His wisdom has been pleased to give unto us, we're not content to go unto God asking Him for bread We don't spend that much time thinking about bread because we want a home. Because we want a newer vehicle. And bread, we're not worried about. You see, simply because God doesn't give unto a certain individual very much does not necessarily mean then that that individual is going to automatically cry out to God saying, Father, Give unto me this day my daily bread. All one has to do is look at the history of the Old Testament Israelites when they went out into the wilderness. They lacked water. They became thirsty out in the wilderness. They had too little from an earthly perspective. How did they respond when they had too little water? They murmured. And they complained. And then what happened when they ran out of food? Same story. Murmured. Not just against God, but also against God's appointed leader, Moses. Did you take us out here in this wilderness to kill us? They murmured and complained. You see, having too much can lead one to become complacent. But having too little Again, what we judge to be too little does not automatically mean 
that that individual is going to turn to God, asking God for daily bread. The writer of Proverbs, in Proverbs chapter 30, with much wisdom, put his finger on this very reality. Proverbs 30, verses 8 and 9, Remove far from me vanity and lies. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with food convenient for me, lest I be full and deny thee, and say, Who is the Lord? Or, on the other hand, lest I be poor and steal and take the name of my God in vain. Why? Why do we struggle to make this petition earnestly? The third reason that we consider this evening is this. Because of what we'll call an overmuch spiritual attitude toward the things of this earth. An over-pious attitude that I am so spiritual that I have reached such great spiritual strength that I no longer need to be concerned about or take upon my lips the earnest petition, give us this day our daily bread. Some throughout the history of the church have gone so far in this direction, putting all the emphasis upon the spiritual, that they would even argue that we must understand Jesus Christ's fourth petition that He gave unto the church in a spiritual way. That when Jesus Christ taught His disciples to pray, give us this day our daily bread, Jesus was not telling His disciples that they ought to be asking for physical bread to fill their physical bellies. But instead, what Jesus Christ was teaching His disciples was they ought to be praying for spiritual bread. They ought to be praying for that spiritual meat and drink that comes down from on high. And then they'll appeal to a text like Matthew chapter 6 part of the Sermon on the Mount, where Jesus Christ taught His, instruct, taught His disciples to take no thought for the morrow. Don't worry about what food you're going to have tomorrow, for sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. And then they'll say it should be the duty of the Christian that you be solely focused on spiritual matters. And for the Christian to have any level of concern about physical matters, physical food, or physical strength is an indication of spiritual weakness and spiritual lethargy in you. So shame on you if you're concerned about praying for daily bread. I'm confident that none of us would go so far as to what some in the history of the church have gone in contending that we must only be concerned about things spiritual. But have we shifted a little bit in that direction? Do we put so much emphasis on things spiritual and things heavenly 
that it almost seems as if it's base and carnal of us even to be concerned about food. Why? Why is it that we struggle so much? Three reasons we have suggested. Because we have too much. Because we have too little. Or because we are overmuch pious. The Catechism teaches us what motive we must have as we make this petition. Why is it that we as Christians earnestly must cry out unto God, give us this day our daily bread. The Catechism teaches us so that we may thereby acknowledge Thee to be the only fountain of all good. That's the motive that the writers of the Catechism give unto us for asking of God for our daily bread. It's so that we might acknowledge that God is the overflowing fountain of all good, that we depend upon God to give unto us that food that we need, and that from God's hand, He is pleased to give unto us that bread to sustain our bodies. And so this means then that as Christians, we acknowledge the fact that we are physical human beings. That's why we pray, give us this day our daily bread. Because God created us in such a way that we need bread. And that's not base or carnal of man to need daily bread. In the garden, Adam and Eve were shaped by God in such a way that they were to reach out and take the fruit of the trees. God said, of all of the trees of the garden you may eat, except the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Paul in his letter to the Philippian congregation, wrote about how thankful he was that they had sent him some sort of a care package, we'll call it, to assist him and to help him in his earthly ministry. Philippians 4, verse 10, But I rejoiced, Paul says, in the Lord greatly, that now at the last your care of me hath flourished again, wherein you were also careful, but ye lacked opportunity. That is, they desired to send to his assistance, but they had lacked opportunity at that time. Verse 14, Notwithstanding ye have done well, that ye did communicate with my affliction. Verse 16, For even in Thessalonica, while Paul was preaching, In Thessalonica, ye sent once and again unto my necessity. Even Jesus depended upon earthly food to sustain his body. Think of that first temptation when the devil came to him and tempted him to turn rocks into bread. We mustn't imagine that that temptation didn't hold any appeal to Jesus Christ, that he could dismiss that temptation as being a weak 
temptation because he was so spiritual that he didn't need food. No. Jesus depended upon food. It was a real temptation for him to take that stone and turn it to bread. So difficult was it for Jesus Christ to resist that temptation that Matthew 4 tells us that following the temptations, the angels came and ministered unto Him. At a different point in the ministry of Jesus Christ, He and the disciples were so hungry that much to the shock of the overrighteous Pharisees, they went and picked corn on the Sabbath day. Even Jesus needed bread. Give us this day our daily bread. And so understanding and acknowledging the fact that God did create us in such a way that our bodies depend upon regular nourishment, the question then is, to whom do we turn for that food? The struggle that we have as weak and fallen individuals is we are tempted to put our trust in the creature for food. The writers of the Catechism warn against misplacing our trust. It says toward the end of answer 125 that therefore we may withdraw our trust from all creatures. The catechism assumes that we already have misplaced our trust, that we have by nature put our trust in the creature, and therefore it's necessary for us to withdraw our trust from the creature. The way that we know that we have put our trust in the creature is if we are prone to worry and fret. If we are anxious about the things of this earth, if we're concerned about where we'll get food from, where we'll get clothing from, where we'll get home from, then we show by our worry and by our fear that we already have misplaced our trust. Misplacing our trust not only serves to our own detriment in that it causes us to become anxious, but misplacing our trust is also dishonoring to God. God calls us to place our trust in Him and in Him alone. The Catechism confesses that that therefore we may withdraw our trust from all creatures and place it alone in Thee. And that's why the Christian earnestly makes this petition so that he might learn more and more to place his trust in God. So that he might acknowledge his total dependence upon God and that then he might be thankful unto God for what he has blessed the creature with. And so what is it then that we ask? 
The Catechism teaches us in the beginning of the answer that we are asking God to be pleased to provide us with all things necessary for the body. Now, it's interesting here that the Catechism says, be pleased to provide us with all things necessary for the body, considering that that's not what Jesus Christ taught His disciples to pray. Jesus taught His disciples to pray, give us this day our daily bread. And yet the writers of the Catechism took the liberties to broaden that and say this isn't just about bread, but this is about all things that are necessary for the body. The writers of the Catechism, in doing that, do no injustice to the words of Jesus Christ. But they understood that Jesus Christ, as He taught them to pray for bread, was using a figure of speech where the part is given for the whole. Where Jesus Christ was giving one part, the bread, and that bread is symbolic of the whole. And the whole that man needs is, as stated in the Catechism, all things necessary for the body. If Jesus Christ was trying to be as narrow and as specific as possible, if He was trying to limit it to, you may only ask for physical bread, well, then Jesus Christ could have listed out all of the various components that make up bread. He could have said, give unto us flour, and give unto us yeast, and give unto us water, so that we can make bread. But Jesus Christ is clearly not attempting here to so narrow it down that it's only bread that we ask for, but all things that we need for our body. And so understanding that then there is a certain latitude that the Christian has as he goes to God asking Him for all things necessary for the body. We're asking God to provide us with a home, a shelter, where we can have a roof over our heads and walls around us to protect us and give us warmth in the cold. It's asking God in this day and age for a vehicle, for a mode of transportation, so that we as those who are employees can get to our workplace, so that we have the ability to drive to church, to bring our children to School throughout the school year. And then, because we live in a day and age where we're all connected one with another, where we depend on other people to do their job so that we might be able to buy bread, this is a prayer then for the economy. That God would so govern over the markets that there would be bread available that we can purchase and afford to buy in the store. With the rising of inflation and concerns that we can have about certain items becoming so expensive that we cannot afford them anymore, it's a prayer that God would so regulate the buying and selling of things that we could afford to purchase what we need for the body. 
And then as well, we depend upon the farmers, do we not? For if the farmers cannot get the crops in the field, and if there is no sunshine so that the crops don't grow up, then there will be no food available for purchase in the store. And so this includes in a petition that God would bless the farmers as they go out and do their work. It's a prayer that God would send weather that is conducive for the growing of crops. Give us this day our daily bread. But although there is a certain latitude in this request, there also are limitations in this request. For Jesus Christ taught His disciples to pray, give us this day our daily bread. He did not teach them to pray that you may ask for whatever it is that you covet or lost or want. He did not say that you have to have the finest food that is available to mankind. He did not say that you constantly must be updating and expanding your home, so you can keep up with what your neighbor has. But we're praying here for the basic essentials that are necessary for life upon this earth. Give us this day our daily bread. This is a petition that Jesus Christ teaches us we must ask again and again. We pray for daily bread. This is a word that is translated as daily. It's actually a rather difficult word to translate from the original Greek. Quite literally what it means is that bread which is coming to us. Pray for the bread which is coming to us, which then the translators of the King James understood as the the bread that comes to us this day, and hence the translation, give us this day our daily bread. And that is what the Christian prays for. He prays for the bread that God is pleased to give unto us that we need at this present moment in time. And so the Christian is not and must not pray then for vast storehouses of food that he can accumulate and store away in case if he should need that in the future. The Christian is not able to accumulate so much food that he doesn't need to make this petition, give us this day our daily bread But the Christian is regularly to go before God asking for bread for the day. And so if God is pleased to give unto us food for the day, and yet we have no food for tomorrow, we may go to bed at nighttime confident that God has heard and answered this petition. Give us this day our daily bread. And so we must be cautioned then here against 
becoming worried or anxious about what the future holds in store. If we are filling our minds with thoughts of investments for the future and savings for the future and a 401k for the future, if we're concerned about the futures market and the stock market and how our investments will do in the future, then it will become next to impossible to pray with any level of earnestness, give us this day our daily bread. This is not to say that the Christian may not or even ought not to plan for the future. This is not to say that it's wrong for the Christian to have a retirement plan, for the Christian to save money, to put away money for a future need. But this is to say we must be careful not to let our minds be filled with worry about the future, because Jesus teaches us to pray, give us this day our daily bread. And then notice as well, there's a communal aspect to this prayer. For Jesus Christ taught His disciples to pray, give us this day our daily bread. He did not say, give me this day my daily bread. It is necessary that there be an attitude of love that we have for the neighbor if we are going to make this fourth petition give us this day our daily bread. The person who is motivated out of greed, out of self-ambition, out of advancement for himself, while watching his neighbor struggling and having no empathy, no concern, no desire to go over and help out the neighbor, is not the individual who is praying earnestly, give us this day our daily bread. Us. It starts with the prayer that God would give us as a family. Daily bread. Father, provide for father, for mother, for the children in this home that there might be food on the table. Give us. It's a prayer for the members of the congregation that God would give to the members of this church that which they need. The money so that they can afford to purchase the things that are necessary for the body. For the community. And as we mentioned earlier, for the economy at large. For we're so interdependent upon one another that if the economy of this community collapses, then we collapse along with them. And so it's a prayer that God would so govern and provide for us as well as for our neighbors so that we can have our daily bread. Give us. Jesus teaches us to pray.
The confidence that the Christian has in making this petition is not only that God, for Jesus' sake, will hear this prayer, but that God will give unto us what physical provision we need. God, not you, is the one who determines what you need. It could well be that you have one very limited idea of what it is that you need. That I need an increase in my wages. That I need to purchase this or that. It could well be that your idea of what you need is different than God's idea of what you need. It could be that God is pleased to give unto us very little. It could be that it is God's will for the economy to go into a recession. It could be God's will that the farmers are unable to get their crops in. It could be God's will that the aisles of the grocery store become very barren. But our confidence is that God will give unto us exactly what we need. And if God is pleased to give unto us very little then who are we to grumble and complain about God giving unto us less than what we would have wanted? Give us this day our daily bread. And finally, our confidence that we have when we make this petition is that God, for Jesus' sake, will accompany the gifts that He is pleased to give unto us with His blessing. You see, there's a difference between God giving unto an individual physical gifts and God giving unto an individual His spiritual blessings. And the writers of the Heidelberg Catechism call attention to this important difference. They say in the middle of the answer, and that neither our care nor industry nor even thy gifts can profit us without thy blessing. It is possible that one could receive an abundance of gifts from God. It is possible that one's table is so heavily laden with food that the table nearly groans under the weight of the food. It is possible that God gives unto an individual not just that which is necessary for his body, but far beyond what is needed for his body. It is possible that God gives unto an individual such wealth that he could comfortably live the rest of his life without working another day. But that does not mean that that person is receiving God's blessing. There is a difference between receiving a gift from God, a physical gift, and receiving blessing from God. 
the inspired writer of Psalm 73, came to understand and confess this reality. He looked upon the wicked and he saw their prosperity. He saw how they succeeded in whatever they put their hand to. How they had wealth untold. And at first, he struggled with that. He became envious of the apparent success that was given to the wicked individual. But then he came to understand that there's a difference between physical provision and spiritual gifts. And he confessed in Psalm 73 that these gifts were given unto them to put them in slippery places, which would be used not for their blessing, but for their destruction. And so the prayer that the Christian makes is not just that God would give unto him daily bread, but that God would also give unto him spiritual blessing. And not give unto him simply an abundance of things to put the individual in slippery places so that he falls to his own condemnation. It's a prayer that God work in my heart to see that as God opens wide His hand unto me, He does so for His motivated in His love for me through Jesus Christ. Because it's only in Jesus Christ that the physical blessings that we receive are also given to us for our blessing. The blessing of God is the pardon of our sins through the blood of Jesus Christ. The blessing of God is the pouring out of His Holy Spirit upon the church. The blessing of God is that peace that passes all understanding. The love which is spread abroad in our hearts. The blessing that God gives unto us is that hope of the future bodily resurrection. When our bodies will be raised up from the dead and we will be brought unto heaven. And so we pray, give us this day our daily bread. And as Thou dost give us this bread, may we also have Thy blessing from on high. Amen. Our Father which art in heaven, we are so forgetful that it is easy for us to become lethargic in asking Thee for our daily bread. We forget what it is like to be truly hungry. We forget what it is like to lack the things of this earth. For we have so much. So wilt thou help thou our unbelief? Wilt thou give unto us the ability from on high to seek first the things of thy heavenly kingdom and then trust 
that thou wilt add unto us all things that we need for our bodies. Receive our worship and send us home with thy blessing. For Jesus' sake, amen.